0: Welcome, guys, to another episode of Twisted News. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for today's video, we have the twisted story of Grant Amato, a grown man who drained his family's bank account to pay for a virtual girlfriend. And when they found out, he did something unthinkable. Then we have an interesting story of an anthropology student who found a box of unidentified human bones in her classroom that haunted her so much she decided to find out how they got there, and who they belong to. Get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted News. Number 1. Draining Daddy's Life Savings This particularly disturbing case happened four years ago. It's making its way through the interwebs now because, as the narrator on the YouTube channel JCS Criminal puts it, It's one of the most fascinatingly aggravating interrogations to ever be released into the public domain. JCS, if you guys don't know, is a really cool channel that makes content analyzing the behaviors and interactions exhibited by suspects during police interrogation, and it gives the viewers some real insights into police tactics, as well as the telltale signs that a person is lying about their story. So, check them out and you'll get hooked on it pretty fast, I'm sure. The channel itself has over 5 million subs, it was on hiatus in 2020, but now that it's back they recently re-uploaded the unsettling case of Grant Amato, whose family gave him everything and more, and he just took it. He took it all. Grant turned 34 this year, he's been incarcerated since 2019 and will remain behind bars for the rest of his life because he took the lives of three people very close to him. And his reason behind doing this was an obsession with a girlfriend he had who was virtual, not even flesh and blood. Going back to when it started, it was 2018, and Graham was suspended and then fired from his nursing job after he was suspected of stealing and improperly administering sedatives to his patients. Unable to find work, he thought his next best option would be to become a Twitch streamer. 59-year-old father Chad, 61-year-old mother Margaret, and 31-year-old brother Cody seemed to support him as his parents financed streaming equipment for him. In their Seminole County, Florida, family home, the supportive family, allowed Grant to build his Twitch streaming base, so he could take over the internet. But unbeknownst to the rest of the Amato family, instead of streaming and building his online empire, Grant was spending most of his time on, shall we say, adult sites. One in particular was a website where users could interact with live models as long as they paid them. It was here that Grant met a Bulgarian cam model named Sylvie. But Sylvie was beautiful and didn't come cheap. A minute of her time cost 90 tokens, and it became typical for Grant to spend around $600 per night just to hang out and watch her. Now because he was unemployed, the only way he could continue funding his hangouts with Sylvie was to get money from his family, and this he was able to do without their knowledge. He burned through his father's life savings, who worked as a clinical pharmacist, and stole from his mother and brother Cody as well. In total, this alone amounted to about $210,000. He also allegedly took out a loan on his family's house that netted him another sixty-five k. In a matter of just three months, Cody managed to spend all that money, making Sylvie a very rich lady. When his family learned what he had done, instead of calling the cops, they instead arranged for Grant to be put in a rehabilitation center that helped with addiction for 60 days. He didn't finish that program, though, but still was welcomed back with open arms to his family's home. The parents drafted a contract where Grant was made to promise he wouldn't contact Sylvie ever again or he'd have to move out and presented it to him. During that discussion, Cody felt like something was off with his brother. He shared this sentiment with his girlfriend, who later told it to authorities. She even specifically stated that Cody had a feeling that Grant might end up killing everyone. Not long after all this... Grant broke his promise and resumed his communications with Sylvie via Twitter. The family found out and, true to their word, kicked him to the curb. Cody's fears then came to life when on January 24th of 2019, Grant went back to the family home and while his mother was on her computer sipping a glass of Cabernet, he shot her in the back of the head. After that, he waited for his father in the kitchen, and as soon as he came into the room, he blasted two shots into him. Then using his father's phone, he texted Cody to come to the house immediately. His older brother left his work early to do so, but was also met with the same fate as his parents. Cody was gunned down while lying in the fetal position. Police were able to locate Grant at a hotel that he was currently staying in. And during the interrogation, the suspect never even asked why he was being interviewed by police. In the video uploaded by JCS, you can see the male lead detective wanting Grant to confess that something had happened to his family. After hours of interviewing, they failed to get him to talk, despite the female detective's efforts to pry something from Grant by setting important events after the murders that didn't align with Grant's statements. After the killings, it was discovered that Grant went to a parking lot connected to the public Wi-Fi and once again contacted Sylvie, spending $600 to watch her. This payment was recorded on Cody's credit card just about a half hour after the estimated time of the murders. However, Grant just repeatedly said that he didn't know what happened and even broke down and cried at one point. Grant actually tried to pin the murders on his own brother, insisting that Cody told him that He'll take care of it. The detectives then told him that none of the victims were found to have any guns or signs of having fired one recently. Ultimately, after seven hours, unable to keep him in custody any longer, Grant was then released by authorities. However, a short time after that, they had enough on him and arrested him for the crimes. His trial began in July of 2019, and on the 12th of August, he was found guilty on three counts of murder in the first degree, receiving a life sentence for each count. Even after all this, he maintained his innocence and indifference by saying, My family has been blaming me for months for ruining their lives, stealing, and not following the rules of the home. So, I might as well be blamed for this too. Number two box of bones. In the early 2000s, Alyssa Yelkin was a student at Youngstown State University in Ohio. She was studying anthropology, and in her forensic anthropology class, there was a box of human bones that were unidentified. Now, in that particular field of study, it's very normal for bones to be a part of the curriculum, but this box grabbed her attention and stuck out. The students didn't handle them. They were just stuffed in a corner. And being deep in her studies, she moved on with her days, but always wondered who those bones belonged to. Back in 1976, 23 year old Robert Earl Saunders' family reported him missing. A search ensued, but nothing was discovered, and so that case went cold. But then, 11 years later, in September of 87, a grandfather and a grandson who were out hunting squirrels near Mount Hope Cemetery came across a human skull as well as some other bones partially sticking up from the ground. The Youngstown police needed assistance in finding out who these bones belonged to, so they gathered them up and brought them to the local anthropology department at Youngstown State, but back then DNA and ID technology was nowhere close to where it is today, so they couldn't provide much help. They knew that they belonged to an African-American, possibly between the age of 30 and 44, but that was about it. And so the case went cold, and the box of bones sat there for decades, the same box that haunted Alyssa for all these years. Fast forward to August of 2021, and Alyssa was reading up about missing persons cases in the Youngstown area, and Alyssa reached out to the police about that old box. They went in, gathered the bones and skull and, using clay, created a forensic facial reconstruction of what the person may have looked like. The picture then made the rounds on social media and that's when a relative of another missing man, 19-year-old Theodore Long, said that the person was her missing family member. The skull and bones had been brought to the anthropology department separately. They came from unidentified human remains that were found in a creek in Lyatt County back in 1981. The other bones analyzed were proven to belong to Robert Earl Saunders through a DNA match, though they are unsure how either of these men died as of right now. It's bittersweet to think that these men sat there all these years, essentially forgotten about until Alyssa stepped up to the plate. But now, at least two families, know where their missing family members went, now can lay them to rest in a proper way. If anything criminal happened to them, hopefully that's discovered soon. The perpetrators being caught will be the next welcomed addition to the Box of Bones story from Youngstown, Ohio. So there were two of the most unsettling news stories that we have for you guys today. If you like this episode, please check out more and remember to subscribe and tell your friends about us. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'll see you guys soon.